Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, and with me is Matt Patrick. Uh, Matt, you doing well today? Glad to be back. Glad to be on, as always. Yeah, you've been, what, on vacation here for, not uh, vacation in quotes, right? Um, you've been away from the office. Away from I was your- away from the office and working. Uh, so welcome back. I just got the spring break. I get to watch my kids spring break while I work. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, okay. It's all fun of being an accountant during, uh, during the spring. So, well, welcome back. I'm glad, glad that you are back and, uh, ready to, uh, overload you with all of the work that, uh, that, that you've missed from being away. So, yeah, can't wait. Well, our question for the day is uh are you a backseat driver of course yeah um got the seven the 18 year old now that i definitely backseat drive her terribly bad and then um when Mandy drives uh you know it's the constant why are you going this way versus that way or hey hey don't don't you're going too fast or why are we you know going 800 mile an hour around that truck or Mandy has this pet peeve of there's a car in front of her that she cannot see around. No matter how fast it's going, she has to go in front of it. She cannot be behind that car. So, so like the peek out a little bit and then jet back in if there's a car coming. No, she's like Mario Andretti. She just kind of goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my dad calls her Mandy Andretti. I don't like being behind a car that I can't see around. Uh, I would, I like to be able to see everything that's in front. And so if there's like a big rig in front of me, I got to get around that car. Uh, just so I can... The other thing that Mandy always does when she drives is she always is playing the license plate game, like where she always has a list on her desk, on her, on her car, where she breaks down the license plates. Yeah. Every day, it's a goal for her to get to some certain number. This is just a normal commute thing for her. And I'm like, seriously, every day, like ever do you not every day she does it. Like she's like on a trip, she's like, I'm going to get 35 or I'm going to get 23 or whatever it is. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> this is so, other than that. And she's going to find all the different license plates. 13. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. Every day. That's her game. She plays against herself. My kids do that whenever we go anywhere and they see a license plate. It is always, you got to call it out. And then it's, yeah. it's a, you can find the most. We did that growing up. I was that was fun. Do you are are you in a position to be a backseat driver often? Do you ever sit in the passenger seat? Or are you mostly driving? Uh, on trips, mainly drives if we're together most of the time. Um, I usually work in the car. Um, now with the so the my middle daughter's driving and Mallory's driving, I often sit in the back seat uh, and let Mandy sit in the passenger seat. Then I hold on with both hands and close my eyes. No, I don't really. They're both good drivers. Actually, they're both very good drivers. I'm very lucky so far. Um, Mary's had a couple traffic incidents, but really nothing on her fault. And uh, it's been pretty good. And Maddie's been a good driver so far. So we'll see. Maddie turns 16 here in a couple months. So we'll we'll find out. That's the growing up very quick. Scary. Very scary. Growing up fast. I um, I'm. I, I'm not a I'm not a vocal backseat driver, uh, but in my head, man, I, I'm I'm tearing that person apart. Like, why are we, why are we not stopping? Why are we not stopping? Why are we not stopping? Oh no, you need to turn left. Uh, a lot of times, yep. if if Mary 
driving what uh, and like we start to park somewhere I always try to give her a hard time tell her not to park there and you go park somewhere different um just to just to goof off a little bit but uh, I'm not typically a vocal backseat driver which I think is is helpful now the people that I I'm ever, a vocal backseat driver I'm constantly pumping the brakes I, my dad is the worst he drives like seven miles an hour so I'm always like go the the lady on the walker just passed us come on no doubt we're never gonna get there no doubt of course she's a guy who's never had a speeding ticket never had a driving accident he goes like seven mile an hour at all times so ever your dad wow that's impressive yeah it's pathetic pathetic. no it's pathetic he should have (laughs) one by now he's really old he needs to go get out and just floor it just go try to get try to get a ticket why not that's probably bad we shouldn't sanction that advice officially (laughs) probably not well um you know back driving is always fun except for the person that's actually behind the wheel Um, i I hate it when i'm driving and somebody's back to driving by the way drives me nuts drives me insane oh you you need to slow down you um no i need to drive exactly how i'm going to drive and you need to shut up or get out of the car hold on (laughs) and close your eyes (laughs) right that's all right. <laughs> well, um, that's fun. What what I want to talk about today is a little bit about uh, some of the things that we uh, we actually do well um, and, and help our clients do well, and that is making their processes related to their employees a little more efficient, a little more effective. Um, if you think about any time a business decides to bring on that first employee, they're bringing on, hopefully, uh, both in their minds and in the employee's mind, a very productive. Uh, future-oriented outcome. It's everything is going to be great, and there's a lot of positivity uh, around that. But at the same time, there's a lot of headache and uh, just burden that comes with having that employee. Everything from having to pay that person to having to have the cash behind the scenes to pay the person, having work that they have to do. Um, all of those types of things are a bit of a burden for a small business leader. Um, but a burden that is welcome because they know that it's going to provide uh, a, a lot more future dividends, hopefully to be paid. But one of the things that comes with that specifically is there's a bunch of systems in which that person has to get set up in, they have to learn, they have to manage. Um, and the employer sometimes doesn't always want to find the easiest way to do that or what's the most effective way to do that. And not because they aren't interested in doing things great, but a lot of times they just don't know what is available, what is possible, um, and and what really can be done to make their systems and processes of bringing on people a lot more efficient. So I want to talk a little bit about everything from, you know, bringing on new hires, um, the way in which that can be done, the way in which you can manage your employees and, and kind of the, the back office paperwork, um, clerical burden of having employees uh, all the way through, let's say that somebody is going to ride off into the sunset and, and retire down, uh, down the path. So Matt, talk to me a little bit about um, from your experience having employees and bringing on employees back you know, 10, 15 years ago in the early days. What did that look like for you as a business owner? What were you really concerned about with bringing on that one or even that fifth, 10th employee? Yeah. um, You know, the first fear is always that you'll hear from every owner is, can I afford this next person? Does the math make sense for me to hire this person now? Does it, do I have the the amount of work for them to do? Can I afford the cash flow hit? 
how long before they're up and running? And then the second problem becomes, okay, how am I going to get them trained and onboarded as fast as possible and, and being a productive part of the team? Because obviously your goal is to get them up and running and helping you make more money uh, or being better at what you guys do already. And so that's usually the first burden that I came, that came to mind on my end. Whenever you are looking out and thinking about that first hire, let's say that you're just a micro business um, that is getting up and running. What, what are you, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about from a cash flow perspective is, is now the time to bring somebody else on? Can I afford that? What are some metrics that you're looking to be considering? Well, um, ideally, I would have been saving up uh, what I would expect to pay their salary for a little bit before I have to hire them. Um, or I would have projected out revenue that they're going to generate and how fast, or I would have projected out you know, how our cash reserves are already. But what I'm really doing now is just figuring out, okay, what's the incremental cost going to be to our payroll early on to when we bring one of those people? And do we have the revenue and the cash flow to absorb that both short-term and then long-term knowing how fast it's going to take them to get up to speed. And then from there, you know, once that happens, you know, how much revenue can they produce or, or generate for us? Yeah. It's That's hard. All- I mean, it's hard on the very beginning though, to understand what those numbers look like. You don't even know what they're going to do. Also, you start figuring the math on what a higher cost, like, okay, it could take me two, three, six months where this person is fully productive and then it's going to cost me inefficiencies on my own. So there's, there's just a kind of a little bit of a math equation, but also a little bit of a, you've got to do some projections out, you know, some planning that you think through all the what if scenarios. When you brought on your first non-family employee, was that a scary moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we had, my first not family employee was a lady by the name of Sue Blos, a longtime family friend, but not a um, not a, a family member. Um, it was um, I'm still kind of at that point thinking. I think this for previous previous podcast, which was they're going to do work for you know help me get my work done, and so it was a part time hire. Um, we did it on an hourly basis, so I had a good understanding of what they were going to be doing. And it made it pretty easy for me to understand my math. I had the revenue already generated, but it was still a very big, you know, very big responsibility. My my first full-time, I'll say full-time employee, um, lady named Tracy Penland, was my first real accountant I hired. And the, and the math there problem was that um, I had not done a good job understanding what her expectations were as far as production goes. She was a great employee, but this is obviously, this is 2004. And I have no idea what my revenue even looks like. Might as well what I've agreed now to pay somebody, which was basically a little bit more than I was actually making myself. And so it didn't make a ton of sense at the time. Um, Tracy actually helped us with a lot of early processes uh, in the practice that we still use today. But it quickly became apparent that we did not have, we were paying her entirely too much money for the amount of work that she was able to produce. Not, not on any part of her end. We just didn't have the revenue yet to generate, to, to, to give her. Yeah, that's always uh, a scary place to be. Even you know, if you if you're that new hire coming in and it's a it's a you know one person business or two person business, you have to be able to look around and think, man, this is a this is a different you know different story than if I'm going to go work at FedEx or UPS, you know, some some big conglomerate of a company. 
working at small businesses is very different than working at you know, at large businesses. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot less security working at Patrick Accounting in 2004 than there was probably working at FedEx or even yeah. McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot a lot more security in a lot of other places for sure. Um, uh, it, you know, it was, we had to, I didn't even figure out what we were selling yet. Might as well, you know, why I'm hiring somebody. I just know that I had a bunch of work to do and I couldn't do it all in a day. I didn't even know the math yet. Um, you know, getting to employee 10, you know, the, the, an employee, to a, you know, if I get to employee 30 now we're at, or if we go up and get bigger, you know, to be trying to find the employees that, at, at, at employee 10, it was still, a, they're probably wearing multiple hats. Um, what can they all do for our practice that we need them to do? Um, some of our most strategic hires were hiring, you know, ideal ideal bookkeepers or ideal managers, hiring our first salesperson. So Rick was hired 2007 or 8 as my first salesperson. We did find a role for him, but it was still a, I mean, that was a gamble for him. He had come from corporate America. And so understanding all those risks on his end, um, he was at a place in his career where he was looking for something that he could probably stay with till he retires. And I'm trying to figure out at the same time going, hmm, I wonder if I can sell accounting services. So kind of a, those are not necessarily the same spot. Um, but yeah, it worked out great. He's still here, you know, 12 plus years later, but um, employee 10, it was, I'm still worried about cash flow. I'm still worried about um, the same math. So the same math is okay. How fast can they get up and producing? Can I afford to hire this next person? Um, and so I think it's safe to say that whenever you're bringing on people, there are a lot of things that you have to consider just to, from the sustainability of, can I support this person? Is it going to make sense to bring them on board? Do they have the work? Do we have the revenue? All of those types of things. And so um, the more that we have to think about as we're bringing on people, um, the better it is to have some systems in place to not have to think about some other things. And so uh, one yeah. of the areas which we see a lot of businesses struggle to make efficient is the actual hiring process. So let's pretend like we've already decided, hey, you know what, we need to bring on, uh, let's say a, a sales manager, whoever it is, we, we need to bring on a person. The process by which we bring that person on can be an efficient and somewhat automated process. And whenever we can start to systematize that process, there's gonna be things that are taken off your plate in a way that you can really start to think about some of the things that matters. So Matt, whenever you started to bring on those people early on, whenever it was, hey, this is a family friend and, um, and you know, it's a pretty easy, you know, what, what did that look like from a systems standpoint? Like there's a lot of paperwork that you have to gather. There's a lot of- Yeah, you know, I mean- How did you go about well, that? Well, first things were, well, first of understanding what roles we're trying to find. So we have to write an ad or if we're going to place a hire that's not a family friend, it's okay, we have to put an ad somewhere. What is that process going to be like? So, you know, we may have done research. We may send an uh, email out to friends or family or someone to say, hey, do you know somebody does this? But we still have to figure out who we're trying to hire. And then from there, it's all the stuff that, you know, when you hire an employee, you have got um, obviously your onboarding paperwork, so getting all their tax stuff set up, their W-4, their, you know, making sure that they're valid and eligible to work. That's I-9 stuff. But then also making sure you set up the right policies for their PTO if they have if you have that or what health insurance looks like, what's your retirement offering going to be, all those things. Trying to figure out what you're going to be offering in the very beginning is is you know how do you competitively hire people? Then from there is making sure you actually get those things actually enrolled. So like yeah, I got your benefits, but oh I forgot I supposed to send you this before. Oh crap! Now the date's already passed. You know life events have happened or I have all that stuff on me as an 
employer. I had to figure out what I need to do and when, um, you know, in the beginning, that paperwork is just, you've never really handled it before and you don't really know what you're doing. Um, and you kind of have to figure it out and use all the resources at your hand. But, um, and then you have to go about, you know, you know, we had to create a handbook in the very beginning. Like, what does that look like? You know, what, what do we want our policies to be? You know, what are, what are our hours of operation, even that little stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there's even from there, it's like, well, what am I supposed to even have in my book? Uh, okay. I know right. that I need, okay. It probably makes sense to say, we're going to be open from, you know, nine to five. five. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, it's, well, what else do I not know? That That's to me always is the scary part when it comes to hiring or even just having employees in general. There's always the, um, the fear of missing out. We've talked about that before in our FOMO podcast, but there's a fear of, I don't know what I don't know. And since I don't know it, I don't know it. And I don't even know what, where, what right. question, where to start. That's where these systems are really are really helpful. On on my end, where we see, you know, I get to deal with lots of small businesses in their hiring process, uh, and I see everything from you know one page application that is, you know, essentially, do you have a pulse? You know, do you have a name? Do you have a, an address? And maybe maybe you should tell me your social security number. You know, everything from that um, side of things to here's a fifty page packet of information that you need to fill out before you even uh, are considered for a job. That's probably a bit of an overstatement, but the spectrum there that small businesses have on the gathering of data paperwork on their new hires or, or even their existing employees is extremely broad. Whenever you found yourself in the situation of, uh, I know that I have to do something. I know there's some, some things that I need to get, but you didn't really know everything where did you reach out? Where did you go to, to figure out those answers or even the questions that you didn't even know you needed to ask yet? Um, you know, I'm a little bit unique, probably coming from a tax background than other employers. Um, so I had an understanding on the tax pieces. I had an understanding on my paperwork needs. You know, as far as um, handbook goes, um, we initially did that through a service called HR Answer Leak which was a third party service that we used to offer here at Patrick Payroll. Um, but, but also I had to go out and reach out to peers and I learned a lot through, you know, going to events and asking people and, you know, I called an attorney and um, we never have hired a payroll company because we are a payroll company, but that's kind of where that process came from. Like this is, there's gotta be a better way. Um, now today, you know, today I think through like, we have 30 employees. It's still a challenge. It, you know, we hired an employee today. It's still the challenge of, do we have the computer equipment here? Do we have, um, training set up? Do we have people ready to train? Do we have people, uh, our benefits lined up and ready to go? And so that they, they're going to be enrolled on the right time. That's all the things that we want to build into our, into our processes. Um, you know, what do we need to do before they're hired? So between when they're we're recruiting them to an offer to once we've once we've made an offer and they've accepted between that date and their start date there's all kinds of stuff that we have to get done in between those so that's the that's the part that becomes a challenge today and we've had you know we've we talked a little bit about this in our podcast before but now we have some systems in place to do those things make it a lot easier we use an applicant tracking system where we are posting job ads uh everything is through that system where we have a single person that is kind of coordinating 
all of the next steps and what that looks like all the way from applicant to hire, that transition that happens from an applicant to an employee. And so there's a compliance piece that comes with, this is the data that we have to have on our applicants and we have to keep that for so, you know, so many years. This is the information that we have to have on our employees. We have to keep that for so many years. Um, having a system in place to track all of that information is extremely, extremely important. Uh, it doesn't matter if you hire 50 people a year, five people a year, or 0.5 people a year. That, that standardization in that system and in that process will save you a lot of time and it'll allow you to check some boxes that you didn't even know needed to be checked just simply because that system is going to do some of that work for you. Right. So where we are right now is we want to always be recruiting. And so in order to make that possible, we have to have job, job ads kind of always going on. And we're at the stage now that we probably will hire six to 10 people a year. And, you know, that's one every other month. And so making sure that our ads are fresh and live and all the right spots. But then also we want to make sure that if we're always recruiting, that we're always looking at those. So we have to have some metrics and the systems available to um, go through those applications as efficiently as possible have us rate them on both some just generic stuff that's you know mission critical for us to have then have the processes followed in a consistent manner um you know our all of our pre-screening tests are done through the applicant tracking system and you know um and it's going to you know hundreds of job boards at all times so you know it's hitting all the big ones and it also hits college job boards and you can run ads on it all kinds of stuff like that so it allows you to keep getting fresh fresh applicants in um, you know, and, and part of the game is just really just in our world, just keeping the funnel open. Um, and I'm sure that's a lot of the, you know, a lot of people that are same size is probably similar to that. If you're even bigger, you, it's even more active. You have to be, because I'm assuming you're having to replace people and, or keep growing even you know, at a, a more rapid pace. Um, we also, um, interact with recruiters as well. And that interaction still goes through our system. So, uh, we're still able to see, you know, once they have a candidate, we're going to make them take tests through our system. So it's possible to have a consistency there. Yeah. One of the, one of the more frustrating parts on my end is once, once we do make a hire and that person is an employee, we have multiple systems in which that person has to get set up. I mean, in the different pro, just software programs that we use, there has to be, you know, user accounts created. Uh, and there are a ton of them, you know, if you think even about like a restaurant, um, if you bring somebody on and they get hired, well, that information most likely go to payroll. It needs to go to their point of sale system. Um, it needs to go to their scheduling system. You know, there's multiple places in which those uh, those employees have to get set up in order for everything to function correctly. What are your, you know, that that's been the case for for us for for years, where there's multiple systems that those employees that that data has to get um, set up. Have you found any ways to make that process? A little bit easier. We have a master checklist. Um, we use a program called Count to manage onboarding. When it comes to technology onboarding, um, when we bring an employee on after they've been hired through our payroll system and they've onboarded through that, we have we track all kinds of things. What we've given them as far as assets and stuff as well through that system. But the actual application management, we we're getting them. One of the pieces of software that we use here is a program called Count. And that allows us to put them through a workflow of here's all the technology to be signed up for. Um, here's all the apps to get them plugged into. And uh, that's allowed us to kind of have that tracking. And we actually can see who's going to be doing that, who did it. Um, we used to use Excel and we still, you know, we, we used to use Excel basically to track those things. 
Um, from there, it becomes, you know, getting them plugged into our learn system, the learning management system, where they can actually learn how to use those technologies that we're actually adding them onto. Uh, and so, you know, connecting, you know, make sure they're, they're in them is one. And then from there, and day one, day two, literally is just grabbing their phone and putting as many apps on it as we can possibly do and are getting them on, you know, confirming their setup and all the different apps that they need to have here. Um, and then from there, it's, you know, like I said, it's, you know, scheduling training. Yeah, it's, there's always, always had that fear of, all right, so I've gotten them set up in these nine different places, but I'm sure there's one that's missing. Those checklists were super helpful for that. But even then, uh, you know, you have, well, that's, that checklist applies for every position, except for that one that we just now created. And now there's these other things that have to get done. It's a constantly evolving um, scenario where it's, what did I miss? What, you know, and uh, this is not, you know, we're not perfect at this by, by any means, but it has gotten nope. significant over the years to where there is some standardization there. Any kind of automation of that, you know, we've looked at, you know, there's, we're actually talking to some IT companies now and part of their talk, talk discussion is onboarding, but it's funny is they only do SaaS-based applications. That's great. And the SaaS-based applications are very important and we have a lot of those, but we have a lot of them are not SaaS-based applications still to get set up. So it's a combination of the two that it becomes a challenge. You know, you have to get the timing of getting an email address set up in order to create the SaaS application so that, it will, so that they will give you an email to send you an email to such a setup. So it's like this big circular equation you have to go through. Or to have an email address set up, we'd have something on our server. All those things have to get done ahead of time. Um, luckily, we've got Mandy, and Mandy does a great job of making sure everybody's set up on the front end. Um, and we just gotta make sure we block time to, to get every training. That's the, the hardest part of getting somebody on our one is onboarding them. Yeah, yeah. I, this, that's the one thing that I do appreciate about um, you know the systems that we do use. Uh, specifically in ISOF, what we will actually sell here, um, the ability to have a single employee database that can handle everything related to payroll, timekeeping, HR, um, learning management, applicant tracking, onboarding, all of that in one spot does help reduce a lot of the go-between between multiple systems to do something like, you know what, I need to, I need to go get them signed up for this you know, training series on how to use QuickBooks in our world or whatever it may be. Um, and so that, that system to be in place where there's, you know, I have one primary spot. This is my my master system that can then push that information to other places is, is super helpful. And it does, it, it helps keep those checklists down to where now I don't have to remember, all right, you know, I, I got them set up for payroll, but now I need to go put them in my time clock. Well, if you're using a single point system for stuff like that, then it, it eliminates those needs and uh, that does make things, you know, anything that we could take off our plate, especially in the onboarding of employees, is is helpful. The automation of getting them set up for benefits, um, you know, tracking that there's time and notifying the benefit carrier, you know, uh, uh, it notifying me that we need to contact the benefit carrier or, um, hey, it's the 90, it, it, it's yeah. this, this step has to happen. The, the if this, then that step part of it is really great. The eligibility piece, like you mentioned, you know, in, in, in our world, um, our benefits are effective first of the month following 30 days. I think it's 30 days. Um, I don't have to remember that, though, because I have that set up system that at the appropriate time, an email triggers to that new hire to say, you're now eligible for benefits. Here's all the benefit plans that we offer. You know, go in and check the boxes on what you want to elect. And we have our 
uh, you know, summaries of benefits and coverages and all that type of stuff. PTO is the same way. Um, you know, whenever you become eligible for PTO, it's automatically applied based on the rules. So having that rules-based system is, like you mentioned, it, it does, it, it, it's super helpful because we don't have for those yep. things. When it comes to, you know, the end of the, of the life of the employee, end of, end of the, uh, I shouldn't say end of the life, end of their tenure at, at the company, whether that is um, voluntary or involuntary, that maybe we'll, we'll be positive here. So let's say that they've, um, you know, worked for us for 50 years and they're going to set on to retire. Retire. What, you know, that, that's a different, you know, the offboarding sequence is, is in, in some ways just as important that onboarding because there's still stuff that has to get done. Um, we have to make sure that for our employees that are leaving, we are turning off that same access that we were so diligent about making sure it got set up in the first place. Uh, whether that's you know email or internal communications or you know third-party software, whatever it may be, um, there's also you know you have Cobra continuance that you may have to to worry about it you know depending upon the different circumstances and, and size and all all that type of stuff. This is another area in which systems can be super helpful to make sure those things happen in the most effective, most efficient manner possible. Uh, Matt, have you ever gotten burnt by not turning off something for an employee that you should have? Have you? Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, we've uh, paid for health insurance benefits. Usually, is the one that most people have that happen. It happened to us as well. Before we had, you know, I saw the system we use today through Works. Um, we were using um, our, you know, manual abilities to make sure people get their insurances turned off, and it had been like three months since they'd left, and we just kept happily paying for health insurance for that employee who was no longer here. Um, that's happened a couple times. The other one we had is um, supplemental benefits through AFLAC or uh, Allstate at the time, I think. And I think it was a year and a half that we paid for those before we realized that was they're no longer with us. Um, those were very small dollars, but still, it's just we throwing money out the drain. So down the drain. Yeah, I think the average uh, health care premium for a family uh, is a little bit over $700 a month. So if you think about you, you missed out for a couple months, and uh, that's not good. <laughs> not good. No, it's not good at all. No, it's not. Another thing that we've, you know, what I really like what we're doing now, all, when we offboard somebody, is our asset tracking. It's the biggest. Actually, it makes me makes me truly know what we gave them. You know, people work remotely. Um, people have taken monitors from the office home. When they do that, they have to put them into the, we have to put them into our asset tracker, and that allows us to know if they have a key card, a key a credit card. We put everything on there that we give an employee from a cell phone, iPad. Um, and it, it really has helped us track those things and make sure that we get our assets back or, you know, let us know that we're going to give them, you know, if it's, if it's an old phone or something, we've actually given those out and let them just keep it. But um, it is one of the things we have to make sure that we know where everything went. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. That's, that's super important. Um, I always like to think about this as, if there is anything that touches your employee files or can touch your employee files, then we need to be involved in that conversation at works. Um, whether that is, you know, I have, you know, an iPad to hand out or even non-physical assets like, uh, you know, security codes or whatever it may be, uh, then we need to be involved in that conversation. And that conversation is as simple as this. Hey, hey, Mike, I, uh, I'm thinking about 
you know, giving my employees all iPads. Can you help with that, with, you know, with what, with, with tracking that or what that may look like? Um, you may never think about Works as a, as a company that's going to help with those items. Um, and that's just not true because, you know, hey, I'm giving out iPads. Why does that affect payroll? Uh, but, you know, what we're doing on our end is beyond just that payroll piece and full HR management and systems and, and whatnot. So um, we want to make your life as easy as we possibly can. And one of the ways that we do that is providing some of those systems and processes so that you don't have to spend a bunch of time thinking about, well, did I give Sally that iPad or not? Well, if we're tracking that appropriately, when it comes time to offboard Sally, we, we have a full list of what she may or may not have. Uh, it makes that easier. And so any, anytime that you're thinking about, you know, well, I need to add this system to my library and it's going to have employees in it in some way. Let's have a conversation because we can, you know, we can set up um, feeds that may uh, export your employee data in a way that can be read through other systems. Same thing is true on the import side. You know, if you have a third-party applicant tracking system for some, you know, for some reason, uh, then let us know and we can look at ways in which we can tie those systems together. Uh, point of sale systems where you're having to have employees set up. And, you know, if you're a restaurant and they're punching time in your point of sale. Well, think about, you know, your employee data has to get to that point of sale for them to punch time. And then once they punch time, that information has to get back to our systems for payroll purposes. And so let's have a conversation around that because there's most likely a, a really efficient way in which we can move that data. Uh, and so we want to have patient. Well, tied is even that like, so if you start thinking about that question of, have I given somebody an iPad? It should trigger an HR question. So all those things are going to be tied to that same employee. Anything that's touching your employee is the idea here because, hey, now I'm giving a device. How that device going to be used at home? Are their, are their child going to pop on that, on that iPad? Um, are they going to download an app that they shouldn't have? You know, what's going to happen when they, you know, what's the appropriate use rules you have? So that's tied to anything that you give an employee, both physical or even, you know, policy related. That's what we're here for. Yeah, and, and even, you know, to... to expound upon that further, do you have a policy in your handbook for those devices to where their kids can't be, you know, popping on and downloading PBS Kids or Disney Junior and, you know, watching yeah, yeah. video? You know, those are all things that uh, uh, need to have a conversation because you need to have some systems and plans around what that looks like. And so um, ultimately, big picture, we want to help you engage with your employees in the most effective way possible. We want to help you manage those employees, especially their information, their data, in the most efficient way possible um, so that you can become the most effective leader of your organization. Remember, we're here to help you get one step better and uh, having data in multiple systems, in multiple places that are all not talking to each other is not a great way to get one step better. So let us have that conversation and, and spur you on in the right direction to, to make that possible. Quick question, Mike. How, how what are some ways you see when you kind of, when you hear people are doing things maybe inefficiently, what are some of the common things that people have that come up? Like when uh, you're talking to yeah. them. Inefficient processes is typically around timekeeping in a lot of ways. Um, if I have, maybe I only have one or two hourly employees and everybody else is salaried, um, then I just, you know, they're going to put their time on an Excel spreadsheet and send it to me. That's, you know, normally it's, they're just sending me email to say that they're, you know, they worked eight hours today. That type of stuff, like, man, that there's better ways to do that. Um, PTO policies is probably one of the biggest places that I see a lot of inefficiency 
where um, companies develop really complex PTO policies that gets to a simple answer. So, you know, I may have, um, you know, my PTO policy may be, if you're here from three to six months, then you're gonna get 20 hours a year, unless it's raining outside and the grass, <laughs> the, the level of detail I see in PTO policies is normally, I would say 90% of the time, not helpful for the employer or the employee. And it would be a lot simpler just to say, you know, you're going to get X hours for every hour worked over the course of the year, you know, whatever it may be. And we can help you develop that. Um, that's a big, big one that I see a lot of inefficiencies on. Um, another one is the hiring process where, uh, you know, even the, the crazy thing is even for employers that I see that are, you know, mass hires where they're bringing on 30, 40 people a year. Um, they do it in a way that is just highly inefficient. Uh, and it turns into, all right, you know, this is the W-4 for that employee. Well, yeah, but it's not filled out at all. Well, yeah, but that's what they gave me. That's great. There's, there is, there's a compliance burden that comes with new hire onboarding that you have to have paperwork completed. And there's even rules around how it's completed. And so if you don't do that, then you're not truly in compliance. Now, I'm not saying that the Department of Labor is going to come knocking on your door tomorrow and take you to jail, but um, under audit, you could have some issues with those things. And so um, having a standardized process like our electronic onboarding to where it doesn't allow new hires to submit incomplete packets of information is incredibly important, especially if you have uh, a relatively new HR team or if your uh, HR team is fully, you know, second, second hat people where I'm the office manager and also I deal HR or I'm the owner that, you know, has nothing to do with HR, but I also do HR, then those, those, those types of companies, those types of people, they need those systems in place. So they don't, they don't have to worry about, did my new hire actually do their stuff correctly? Uh, because systems won't allow you to do it incorrectly. Um, so, you know, those, those are probably the top three issues that I see where there's just highly, highly, highly inefficient. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's our job to, to try to fix those. I, I think of paper. It's one of the things I think of right away when I think of it. And I also think about direct and simple thing is the old school thing of direct deposit. People are not taking advantage of the rules of their power and telling their employees how they're going to be paid. You know, a lot of states allow you to dictate how you're going to pay your employees. You can say we're going to pay you via direct deposit or a pay card. You have to have an alternative method, but that paperless way of paying people creates a huge efficiency for you and also saves you a bunch of money when it comes to how you're going to get that physical check in the hands of the employee. What happens? How they're going to, how they, that employee going to go cash that check? You do that on your time. They're going to do that during lunch breaks. Just super inefficient. And so that inefficiency is costing you money. Yeah. Yeah, anytime paper is involved, there's typically a, a, a conversation that needs to happen on, on why that's the case. Sometimes paper does change hands, but it's pretty rare. Uh, in, in today's world, it's pretty uh, And so absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, if you're out there listening and, and you have some issues and you, you already know that your processes aren't the most efficient, they're not the most effective for either your new hires or your team, your people, your employees, uh, or yourself as the employer, let, let us have a conversation around that. We would love to, to talk to you about ways in which we can make that better. Uh, would, would love nothing more than that. Um, Matt, we do have one follow-up question from our last podcast. 
So last uh, last week we were talking about how to find the good from the bad and uh, you know trying to keep a positive attitude. A question came in. It said, essentially, if I have somebody on my team that just never, ever, ever can see the good from the bad, they're just a Debbie Downer, um, how do I coach that person up? How do I manage that person that's just always going to be you know, the rain cloud? That's super hard. Um, I think it starts with having a very direct and honest conversation with that person that, hey, you know, I understand, you know, change is hard or you're going through a tough time and or you're just you, you don't want to acknowledge that we're trying to do things better around here. But your attitude is bringing the team down and that can't be something that, that we're going to have around here. Um, the eternal pessimist is what I think of here, you know, the Debbie Downer. Um, it's important that you address it right away and coach it up and be very direct about it. Coach them up or, it, you know, counsel them out. I think it's one of those two things because it's not, it's going to spread like a virus. It's, it's a cancer in your organization um, that can, that can rapidly spread. I don't, I don't know if everybody's ever worked next to the person who's complaining all the time. I hate this job, this job or whatever. Next thing you know, the, everybody in that whole area is saying the same thing. Now you have a virus. And so um, it's something you have to address right away. Yeah. You mentioned it. Nobody wants to work with that person, uh, especially, well, I say nobody. Other Debbie Downers want to work with that person because they can complain about everything under the sun together. But right. no, A players don't want to work with that person. Uh, uh, it's just not a healthy environment. And so at some point you may just have to say, look, uh, this is not, this is not going to get any better and we got to move on. It is, I mean, I'll just say for the leader, it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly discouraging whenever you have a person on your team that is constantly trying to bring people down. And it's not, it's not even the, like, they're not necessarily having a bad attitude from the standpoint of they're talking about other people or anything like that, but just the constant, oh, well, I got to go do this again, or man, that got to go call this client or, you know, whatever it may be, just that, that mood, that attitude is just draining. I think, I think about this, like Hudson right now, my, my six-year-old, um, he is in a phase where nothing positive can happen. Um, we could be on our way to Disneyland and, oh, this is boring. I don't like driving. I want to get out of the car. It's like, man, you're about to be at Disneyland and this is what, like, this is your attitude. Um, and it's just so, so, so just draining. You got to get that part. You know, with Hudson, it's not a matter of coaching them up or getting them out. Coach them out, Mike. Coach them out. Just coach them out. Yeah, get coach, rid of them. All right, you're no, I think, I think grandparents. See you later, man. Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think this positivity and negativity are both super contagious. So make sure you're, you know, trying to make sure as a leader, being positive is super important, but also make sure people you're having with are also positive and re reinforcing it. Yeah, yeah. Promoting the right, the right atmosphere is super, super helpful. Well, Matt, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you guys are out there listening, uh, thank you for giving us, what, 30-ish, 45 minutes of your day, however long it is. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, if you could, you could help us out by clicking on that subscribe link, that way you don't ever miss an episode of our podcast. Uh, or, you know, give us a rating, send us a comment. We would love to hear from you, whether, you know, this is something that we're doing well, we could do better, whatever it may be. Or if you have a question about any of the stuff that we're talking about, let us know. You can reach us at one step better at uh, patrickaccounting.com, um, or you could just leave comment wherever you listen to the podcast or even on YouTube. We respond to those pretty quickly. 
So uh, let us know how we're doing. Thanks everybody and have a great day.